Good morning. And grace and peace to you. Turn to Romans 15 for it. Introduce the lesson. We've had all enough extracurriculars this morning, so let's just get right to it. For whatever is written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Uh, in context, Paul here is referring to the Old Testament. Now, some people today say you don't have to worry or bother with the Old Testament, but here is the apostolic instruction. We better read the Old Testament because there's a lot there for us to learn and understand and to grow by. And today we're going to go back to look at Israel at the Red Sea. Most of us remember the story, and uh, we'll be there in Exodus for a while. I just uh, want to ask the question, have you ever been up against the Red Sea on one hand and the army of the Egyptians on the other, like the Israelites were? Not literally, but just in a place where you thought there was no way out. There was no solution. Okay, there was no answer. You didn't see how any, there was any way to get out of that situation. You were just going down. Well, that's why God tells us to go back and look at these things. Okay? We're going to go back and look here in Exodus 14 at Israel up against it between the Red Sea and the Egyptian chariots. We're not just going back here to learn the facts, although the facts are what we build on, but we're going to learn the lessons. There's always lessons to be learned here in Scripture that we need to apply to our daily living to increase our faith and to help us through our difficult situations. Just a brief recap. Uh, Israel, of course, had been in bondage, had been enslaved in Egypt, uh, and uh, God had chosen Moses and sent Moses down there to let my people go. You remember that story, and you remember that song, let my people go. So, uh, and through the miracles, the ten plagues, the worst of which was the last one in which the firstborn all died. Finally, Pharaoh said, get out of here, leave us alone. Well then, as we're going to read in Exodus 14, he changed his mind. After Israel had gotten themselves together and uh, gone up, as it says, uh, like in ordered ranks, they were not rushing, they were not hurrying, they were just marching out, trusting God. Pharaoh kind of looks back and talks to his advisor and says, what have we done? These people are our slaves. They're the ones that are building all of our cities and working for us. We've got to go get them. And so he picks 600 of his best chariots. Maybe I'm reading what... Yeah, let's read verse 5. I'm telling you what's in the scripture. When the king of Egypt was told the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people, and they said, what is this we've done that we've let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him, and he took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. So he's going to go get them and bring them back. 
The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. They were not afraid at this point. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea beside Pihahirath in front of Baal Zephon. So, Pharaoh's in hot pursuit, and Israel is camping by the sea, and so there's really no place for them to go. As we suggest, suggested, life can be like this. You got the evil of man on one side and the indifference of the elements on the other. You got the people and you got the system. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where you know you want to go get help and well, we can't do that because the rule says this, you know. And you're just kind of up against no there's no way to be helped in that situation. When I was thinking about this, I was going back in our own history, the history of this country, to Washington at Valley Forge. And if you remember your American history, and I hope they're still teaching it today, there, the, the harsh winter, un, unbearably cold, they didn't have enough food, they didn't have enough supplies, there was disease in the army, he had, then he had to fight Congress, because Congress wasn't giving him what he needed, besides that he had to fight the British. So it's like, where does he go? And if you've been with us in in the series we've had about our our nation and its founders, you know Washington went to God, didn't he? He was a praying man, he was a man of faith, and he insisted that his soldiers attend the nearest church on Sunday morning, didn't he? Remember that? And we firmly believe that God was working in the beginnings of this nation to bring it about and to establish its foundations and so forth. So Israel is up against it here. Let's look at verse 10. Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they became very frightened, so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now we want to remember, these were slaves, poor slaves. They were shepherds. They did not have an army. They did not have weapons, okay? They had nothing, maybe, you know, their rod and their staff and that kind of thing. But that's all they had. They weren't trained to fight. So they're just out there in the wilderness with this trained army coming after them. Verse 11, they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? And we know that this was kind of where the people always went. If you know the story in in, uh, wandering in the wilderness, they always blamed Moses. Why have you done this? Why have you done that? Well, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They said, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. 
And so they're looking back, and this won't be the, first, the last time they look back to Egypt. This is the old selective memory. You know, sometimes when we're up against it, we look back at a different situation in our life or a different time, maybe before we made certain decisions to get where we are, and we say, you know, it wasn't so bad back then. It was okay. But we only kind of remember the good stuff, the good thing, but we can, then we tend to forget how harsh it was and why we made the decisions we did. So, yeah, they had food to eat back there and, and so forth, but, you know, what are they talking about? They were in heavy bondage, you know. They were, they were having to work and make their own brick and all this, and that's one of the reasons they cried out to God. Get us out of here. As Christians, we can do this as well. We begin our walk with the Lord, and things sometimes get tough. They get hard. And then we kind of look back and say, you know, it wasn't so bad not trying to do what was right, what's right. I'll just go back to doing it the old way. You know, serving the Lord can test friendships. When people will make fun of you, wonder, you know, why are you, why are you doing this? Why are you changing? Why do you, why you attend assembly? Why do you uh, not, you know, not get drunk on Friday night anymore? Why don't you use swear words anymore? Why don't you do this or that? Sometimes that happens in the family. Families are telling, you know, Jesus warned of all this, didn't he? You know, take up your cross daily. He says, you know, the enemies will be uh, some of his m members of his own family. They'll deliver you up to death. Sometimes it's career choices. You know, the old boss, the old company, they can really put the screws on you, can't they? Yeah, we, got, we need you now. We need you for this. You can't do this anymore. We need you every Sunday, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, we want you to do this. We know it's not really a kosher business practice, but we really need you to do this. They can make it hard. And, of course, we have to get rid of our bad habits and our addictions, whatever that is, our laziness, uncontrolled tongue. We've got to get that under control. Maybe we're into alcohol, pornography, loving the world, whatever it is. Jesus calls us to change. It can be difficult. It usually is difficult. And so we want to look back and say, you know, I just, you know, this is just too hard. I'll just keep doing what I've always been doing. We see no way out. Fear sets in. And sometimes we even look to others for help rather than God. Congregations can do this too. You know, members die, some move away, some fall away. And then the world, uh, you know, works on the other members with its demands of work, school, and time. The world attacks with its lies, its temptations. Fighting back requires time, diligence. Money sometimes, lots of sweat, tears, devotion, prayer. You just can't give up. 
Making needed changes can sometimes be difficult. Congregations see no way out. And then again, this sort of fear sets in like with the Israelites. The assembly just keeps doing the same old things over and over again and dies a slow death. But, and this is a very large but, can we interject some humor here? A large however, a colossal nevertheless, God. He is the answer. He provides the answer. He's always the answer. Verse 13. But Moses said to the people, here they are crying out. We should have, we should have stayed where we were. We're, you know, we're afraid. They're coming. Do not fear. How many times do we read that in Scripture? Do not fear. And how many of us still, we, we are just afraid of things. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. What a promise. What a promise in the Israelites praying, how on earth is he going to do that? We don't have any weapons. You know, we, we don't have any spears or we don't have any horses here that we can run off in. We don't have any chariots to run away in. We don't have any boats to cross this Red Sea. How's he going to do that? Doesn't matter. God's going to do it. It doesn't matter how he does it. It just matters that you know he is going to do it. Sometimes that's part of our problem. We want to know how. How's he going to solve this? How's he going to do that? It doesn't matter. All you have to know is God and you trust him to solve your problem. And he can do it a thousand different ways because he's God. The Lord will fight for you while you keep Silent. While you keep silent, do not fear. Calm down, in other words. Be at peace. You know, fear can cause us to do one of three things. Basically. I'll use Ryan's word. Basically. It can cause us just to freeze up and quit fighting. We're just so afraid. We're just locked up. It can cause us to run. Okay? Just take off and scramble and try to get out of there. And then it can kind of just affect our mind so that we just start doing stupid stuff. You know? That it doesn't make any sense because we are so frazzled and upset. We just do this. We do that. You know? And a lot of times with us Christians... We turn to the world, we turn to, you know, uh, psychiatrists and, and the medical community to try to look for solutions, and we go here and there, and, you know, we just want an answer. We want an answer. 
The Lord will fight for you. We have to learn to accept that God fights for us, that Jesus fights for us, the power of the Holy Spirit, that the world and the devil are too big for us to take on by ourselves. We just have to accept that and look to God for our help and our strength and our guidance. And he has promised, he has promised to help us if we'll just trust him. Verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Wait a minute. Where are they going to go? You see? Now this, of course, for us, move forward, keep doing what you know is right, just keep serving the Lord, just keep persevering. We just read about that in Romans 15.4, that through the perseverance of the scriptures we might have hope, learning these things. Go forward. Where were they going to go? They had no place to go. But God says go forward. We have to trust God, you see. We have to trust God. Go forward. Don't stop. Don't be afraid. Again, one of our weaknesses is that we want to know how the problem will be solved. We want to know the answer. And, you know, a lot of times we'd like to figure it out ourselves, right? But it doesn't work that way. Let's move down to verse 21. Most of you know the story. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land so the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on the left. Israel never thought that this is the way God would save them. I guarantee you that. Now we know the story. But there they were. Chariots, Red Sea. What do we do? Go forward. Where? Go forward. And God made a way, didn't he? God made a way for them to cross and escape Pharaoh. And he still makes a way for us today with our problems. Don't fear. Just go forward. Trust God. Again, we don't have to know how he's going to do it. We just have to know God and trust him. I wanted to close out in Isaiah 43. I've really grown to like this chapter, but it fits right in with the lesson. Because, again, this wasn't the last time that Israel wondered how God was going to do something. In fact, you read the Old Testament time and again, it was like, well, you know, we're in trouble. What's he going to do? How are we going to get out of this? Here in this reading, Israel, it's a reference to Israel being in captivity in Babylon. 
And if you remember that story, you know, they were totally wiped out. The whole, even Jerusalem was overrun. The temple was destroyed. Uh, they were scattered everywhere. Many of them died. Thousands of them died at the hands of the Babylonians. And there were a select few taken captive into the land of Babylon. And they're wondering how we are going to get out of this. We have no army. We're very small. What are we going to do? How could we ever go back? They're thinking it's over. So what does God say through Isaiah 43, 14? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and will bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans into the ships in which they rejoice. Somehow God is going to dislodge the Babylonians. He doesn't tell them how. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man. They will lie down together and not rise again. They have been quenched and extinguished like a wick. I think he's referring here to their crossing the Red Sea. And he's kind of saying, okay, remember that? Way back in your history, now none of those people were alive who experienced this, but the story had been told generation by generation and written down, and they studied it. They learned. They knew their history. But then he says a strange thing in 18. He says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. And I think what he's saying there is, now don't think that God is going to do it the same way that he did before. Don't look back and say, well, he's got to do it this way. Because God doesn't work that way. He has thousands, tens of thousands of options that we don't even know about to get us out of predicaments. But then verse 19. And this is one you may want to highlight in your Bible. When you're up against it. When you're struggling. You need more trust, more faith. Behold, I will do something new. You see? I will do something new. It never been done before. You couldn't even think of it. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I can do that. I will make a way. It'll be something new. I mean, it doesn't matter that you know what it's going to be. I'm going to do it. All you have to do is trust me. This is what God is saying. That's what he's saying. I will make a way. Let's go to 2 Timothy to close this out. Don led us in the song. When you're struggling and up against it, and every once in a while we all run into this in life, things happen, and you know it. You don't have to know how. You just have to know who. Trust God. Keep moving forward. Keep praying. Do what you know to do is right, and God will be with you.
Look what Paul says, 2 Timothy 1, 2. He was in prison. He was, as many scholars understand, uh, going to die at this point. He was not going to be released. This was his last letter. And these are just marvelous words for all of us to take to heart. He says, for this reason, he's talking about he's called in the gospel and he believed in Christ Jesus and immortality awaits. I also suffer these things, the imprisonment and everything else that went with it, deprivation and so forth. But I'm not ashamed. You know, if somebody's in prison, they're usually looked down on, aren't they? Well, look what he did, look what she did, and so forth and so on. Of course, in those days, there was guilt by association, and Christians were just mocked and made fun of and seen as being treasonous because they didn't uh, worship Caesar and so forth. He says, I'm not ashamed. I, I am who I am. For I know whom I have believed. I know him. And this is where we all have to get. Not what I have believed, but whom. Do you know Christ Jesus? Do you walk with him? Do you serve him? Do you talk with him? Do you listen for his voice? I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced. I'm convinced. That's faith. I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. I think he's referring to the day of judgment. Maybe he's referring to the day of his death when it will really be over for him. I don't think that matters. But, you know, he's entrusted his life to him, his work, you know, his, his heart, his soul. He says, I know him. I, I know who he is. He, he's... He's love, he's compassion, he's faithful. He'll do what he says. He's the only one in the whole world I can trust, maybe he's saying. Well, no, he had a few friends. But I know him. And he'll be with me till the very end. We don't have to know how. We just have to know who. The lesson is yours. Go back and read about Israel at the Red Sea. Do you know him? you know Christ Jesus this morning? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he your friend? Do you walk with him? Do you love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength more than any other person in your life? This is where we need to get as we serve the Lord. If that's not the case, and you want to make that the case, you want to serve him today, become a Christian, have your sins forgiven, we stand ready to assist you, to, to baptize you into Christ. If your faith has brought you to this point and you're ready to make that decision, it's called repentance. When want to turn from the world and serve the Lord, we're ready to help you. If you are a Christian... You've been up against it recently. You've been looking for answers elsewhere other than God and struggling and fighting and kicking. Again, we want to re have you refocus on the Lord and trust Him and understand that He will make a way for you.
He will do something new. Just keep moving forward in Christ. And don't give up. Don't give up your faith. If you need prayer, we're here to help you with that. As Brother Don leads us, please come while we stand and sing.